Father, we come to you. You and you alone have the words of life. Words of man will not profit, will not avail. Speak to us. Speak to us, O Lord. Speak to us this evening. Father, there's so many young children in your, in your house this evening. Wednesdays being teaching sessions, O Lord. I pray that you would, Lord, make it relevant to them as well. Grant me the wisdom to speak with clarity. Grant me the unction of the Holy Spirit. Anoint each one of us. That we will be able to understand, enjoy, experience, and obey the word of God. What you have laid on my heart, enable me to unburden it to your people. Thank you. Cleanse us, cleanse me this evening, cleanse all of us by the washing of water by the word. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. So last uh, Sunday, if you were there, we've been looking at one uh, historical or rather one example of reformation from the Old Testament and the story of, um, uh, of Josiah. Josiah, by the way, was eight years old when he started. So look, we look at uh, young children over here, eight years was Josiah when he started to reign. And he reigned for 31 years. Till the time he was 39, he reigned in Jerusalem, uh, in Judah, over Judah. And he was one king who literally, literally unearthed and rediscovered the word of God. Like it happened during the Reformation. He was eight years old. And we'll find his story in First Chronicles chapter 34. And we looked at uh, the story of Josiah in a, in a way in, on Sunday. We will try to look at it in more detail today. How did the Reformation start? During the time of Josiah, how did Israel go back to God under Josiah? We want to look at that. He was eight years old when he began to be the king of Judah. And in the eighth year of his reign... While he was still young, that's the point, children. Young, you are not too young, Any, none of you is too young to serve the Lord. Yeah, when he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father. And in his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places. We know the story of Josiah because one of the things that happens, a famous thing everybody knows, so he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles and idols. Under his direction, the altars of Baals were torn down. He cut to pieces the incense on altars that were above them and smashed the Asherah poles and the idols. And he was, what, he was uh, 12th year, that is about 16 years old, 16 years old. Look at the authority. Then he broke to pieces and scattered over the graves 
of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priests on their altars. And so he purged Judah and Jerusalem in the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim, Simeon, as far as of Naphtali and in the ruins around them. He did an absolute thorough job even before he discovered the word of God. Discovering the word of God happens much later. It happens in the 18th year of his reign. But this is the 12th year of his reign. He is doing an absolutely thorough job smashing every idol. He tore down the altars of the Asherah poles and crushed the idols to powder and cut to pieces all the incense altars throughout Israel. Then he went back to Jerusalem. Thorough job. Thorough, absolutely thorough job before he he discovered the word. So if I were to look at the first step towards reformation, what is the first step towards reformation? And what I titled my today's message, Smashing our idols. If you want to really, really, really want to enjoy the times of refreshing and enjoy God's working in your life and savor God's word, the first thing that we need to begin with is to smash our idols. And what are our idols? Of course, we don't worship idols, do we? In uh, Exodus chapter 20, when Jesus, uh, God is giving the Ten Commandments, this is what he says in Exodus chapter 20. And, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have, what? No other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image any of any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or is in earth beneath, or it is in Water underneath the earth, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers. I mean, just, by the way, there is a pure jealousy, okay? And that it happens in relationships. Love is always, not always, oh, you're so sweet. No, no, no. Love is always also angry. You know, when children make mistakes, first of all, let's say, um, Emmanuel goes and falls so many times while she's running. The moment she falls, the first reaction that comes to me is not of ayo, also anger. Oh, how did you do that? So many times I told you. Why? Because I love her. See, it's a part, it's a package. It's Love is not always, oh, I love you. No, 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 no. It's also anger. If you're only looking at the one side of love that is a very short, very distorted view of love and you know that somebody does not love you how do you know it if doesn't even care about you you're you're not even a concern to that person then you know that that person doesn't even love you but if you're really concerned he'll also be angry because he's not angry at you he's angry because the way that you're making decisions is actually destroying you you see that is that's what he means he says i am a god who's a jealous god so if your elders are saying they're angry with you not angry because they are upset that they are causing inconvenience to you. They are angry because you are destroying your life. You know. So what does he do? He visits the iniquity of the fathers to the children, to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands who love me. You see, this is God hates idolatry. The first commandment, he says, I am the God who brought you out of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down to any idols. J.C. Ryle is a 18th, 19th century 
pastor. This is what he said. The besetting sin of the Old Testament church, by the way, it was called the church, alright? The Old Testament church, it was a church, it was just not a congregation, it was a church. The besetting sin of the Old Testament church in one word was idolatry. In the face of the most elaborate ceremonial ordinances that God ever gave to his people, Israel was incessantly turning aside after idols and worshipping the work of men's hands. You'll see this, this truth, you'll see it in Judges chapter 2. Look at what it says in Judges chapter 2, verses 16 to 19. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges. For they hoard Look at that. Hold after other gods and bow down to them. They soon turned aside from the way, from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge. It says, it doesn't say the Lord was with the people. The Lord was with the judge. You saw that? Last time I told you about uh, Josiah turning with all of his heart, but did Israel turn with all of their heart? No. The Lord was with the judge. And he saved them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. But whenever, who died? Judge died. You see, that's exactly what happens to children. How do we know that children are really sincere when nobody is watching you what you are? That is what exactly you are. I remember when my, when I used to, when my parents were, uh, those days we used to go to the mainline church and Good Friday was a three hour service and most of the times during Good Friday we had exams. Okay, my mom used to say, Vijay, I'm going to church, no watching TV. <laughs> Tomorrow's exam you gotta study. And you wouldn't believe it. She has to just go 100 meters away from the home. The first thing I would do is switch on the television. You see? What, I, what was I? When nobody is watching you. That is the reason why Paul will say, don't, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Obey me. Obey the Lord. So what did they do? The moment the judge said, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers. Remarkable thing, you know. You need to understand if you do not learn to walk in your deliverance, one demon will go, seven demons will come back. That's exactly what happens. They become worse and worse and worse from their forefathers. You'll see that in our own generation, the days of my fathers, my father and his father, and now, those days, 20 years was a generation, now two years is a generation. Things changing so fast and people are going from bad to worse. Serving them, bowing down to them, they did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. That's exactly what happens. Idolatry is the recurring sin in the old covenant. What about in the New Testament? In the New Testament, we don't worship any idol, especially if you are in the Protestant reformed denomination. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 6, Paul will lay this to rest. He says, now these things became our examples. What are these things? All these things which were written in the Old Testament were our examples. To the intent that we should not lust after the evil things that they also lusted. And do not become what? Everybody read that. And do not become idolaters. As were some of them, as it is written, people sat to eat, drink, And rose to play. 
So what is the idol of our generation? Entertainment. Eating, drinking, rising up to play. I cannot imagine how beautiful it is when you go to IMAX. Especially this one. What do you have? Popcorn? Pepsi? Movie. Eating, drinking, enjoying. That's exactly what it is. Even this this generation is like that. And then for whatever things were written were written for our learning. It was written for our learning. That we through the patience and comfort of scriptures we should have hope. So what should, so idolatry, so how do we deal with idolatry and especially in the new covenant we'll discuss what idolatry in the new testament is in more, in more precise ways today. We'll see what it is, how do, what kind of idols do we need to smash. In 1st Corinthians chapter 10 verse 14, therefore my beloved, this is new testament, okay? This is not chronicles, this is Corinthians now. Therefore my beloved, what should I do? Flee from idolatry. In 1 John chapter 5, the last verse it says, little children, Keep yourself from idols. So what is idol? If you are to ask this question, what is idol in the New Testament? What is the essence of idolatry? In Romans chapter 2, Paul will say something very interesting. He says, they exchange the truth of God for a lie. How do you start worshipping idols? First you exchange what? The truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. What is this truth for God for a lie? What is this? We'll try to understand that. In Acts chapter 17 verses 16 to 17, this is what Paul will say. When Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw. You saw that word? When he saw. That the city was given over to idols. So let's think about it. No, he's just going on the streets of Hyderabad and he sees a temple over here, a temple over there, etc., etc. Just imagine. And he's looking at all the billboards and he's looking at all the shopper stop and, uh, and the, the queue in the gold shops, etc., etc. On particularly these days, right? Everybody goes for the gold shop and that is the reason why this place road is completely blocked. And you know what he says? His, when he saw the city was given over to idols, he, what did he do? He reasoned. Where? In the temples. No! He came to the church. And he said, guys, how come you are here and people are practicing idolatry? What is this? You know what this word when he saw means? It comes from the word theorio in Greek, which means theory. Let me, let me tell you something. Behind every idol, there is a theory. What we call as funda. In our language. Iska funda kya hai? There is a funda behind worshipping of idols. Unless you deal with that funda, you will never be able to destroy the idols in your life. You have theories. See, worshipping idols is just a manifestation of an exchange of a theory in your heart. You you prescribe to some theory. 
Oh, let me give you examples from scripture, you know, the examples from scripture, that is what will give you a clarity as to what the theories that we enjoy when we, before we worship idols. Look at first Kings chapter 12 verses 25 to 28. Then Jeroboam built Sheshem, the mountains of Ephraim and dwelt there. Also he went out from there and built Penuel and Jeroboam said in his heart, now, sorry, now the kingdom may return to the house of David. That is a funda. What is the funda? If I don't hold on to my people, they will go away to Jerusalem. And the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam. So what did he do? That was a funda. Then what did he do after that? Therefore the king asked advice and he took two cuffs of gold and then he made one idol here, one idol there, and he said, you know what? Worship, this is your God, O Israel. That was, the, that was the theory. What was the theory? If I don't hold on to my people, they will run away. That was. Another, another look at another theory. Another funda. In First Kings chapter 11 verses 1 to 4. But King Solomon loved many foreign women. What did he call it? What was his funda? Love. Somebody said, no. David made war. Solomon made love. That's exactly what he's doing here. What is that? He loved many foreign women as well as the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonians and the Hittites. Oh, several from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn your heart away to there. But what was the funda that was driving him? Love. Are love. Tolerance. <laughs> you have to tolerate Baba. You have to accept all kinds of people. Doesn't matter. Jesus was a friend of sinners. So, continue to be a sinner. No, 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 no. That is a funda. Many people say, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Sinners were flocking to him. But did sinners continue to be like sinners? No. That's a fun. See, so what happened? Solomon clung. You see that? They clung to these in love. He held on to them and then, and he had how many wives? 700 wives and princesses, 300 concubines, 1000. Can you imagine? For it was so that when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods. What was he thinking? What was he thinking? I mean, I, there's a lot of young people over here, small, small young ones. I'm not sure if you'll understand this. One of the things that you need to understand, no? What was this guy thinking? What was he thinking? What was the funda? What was the theory? Yo, know, a very fantastic theory in, um, in, uh, religious circles. I mean, if you are, if you are a part of our Indian national Things that are going on. One of the things that the RSS was fighting fighting against was love jihad. You know, love jihad. What was love jihad? You marry somebody from another community. Once you marry, she becomes a Muslim. That is love jihad. So RSS said no marrying Muslims. Because love jihad. 
So how are they converting people, our people into their own community? By trapping our young ones in, saying that we love you. And once they get, they fall in love and they get married, what do they have to become? They have to become Muslim. Even Solomon thought, I, I don't know how to make war. He also start, started love jihad. This is love jihad. What will I do? I will marry them and they will get converted. But you know what happened? And he did likewise for all the wives who burned incest and sacrificed to their gods. Who actually did love jihad on whom? Isn't it amazing? That was a theory. And I've seen many, many believers. I know, I know. Oh, I, I, I don't. Okay, this this girl is from a non-believing background. But after she marries me, she can become a believer. Love jihad. You know what Paul says in First Corinthians chapter seven, verse fifteen to sixteen? He explains this theory even more clearly. He says, "But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart, Baba. Don't cling to him or her." A brother or sister is not under bondage in those circumstances. But God has called us to peace. If she wants to leave, leave. It's a good riddance. You know why? For how do you know, oh wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? You thought by marrying them, you can do love jihad, Baba. They're actually turning you away from God. I've seen that, you know, the... The heart of a believer is tested during the time of marriage. During the time of marriage, the heart of the true believer is tested. Arjun Chaudhary. The Chaudhary is highlighted. It's, 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 it's amazing. In Christian circles, what is their caste? I mean, I've seen a very interesting movie some time back. I don't recommend that to you, but it's a dialogue in the movie, okay? So some of you who are moviegoers will know what I'm talking about. This guy who falls in love with a Brahmin girl in the movie, okay? So she also falls in love, but you know, when he proposes to him, she asks, what is your caste? So if, he says, what is your caste? I'm Brahmin. You know, Brahmins. He says, and she says, what is your caste? He says, I am Bapanese. He says, what is Bapanese? Converted Brahmins are called Bapanese. Oh, even in Brahmins are conversion. It's amazing. You see, it's exactly what people think. That they can convert other people. It's not going to happen. Let him go. Let her go. It's good riddance. You don't know how much freedom. You know what? You will never be able to enjoy peace unless you let go of that relationship. It's a fact. So children, when it comes to marriage, if your parents are godly parents and you know that they love the Lord with all of their heart, marry the person that they choose. But if your parents are not godly parents, 
measure the alliance. Very carefully. God has called us to peace. But that is something which is going to change your life. You know why? That is the most intimate of all relationships. Paul says, you know what? He who goes into a harlot, don't you know, he becomes one flesh. One flesh with a harlot. For this case, a man will leave his father and mother, will cleave to his wife. It is a spiritual transaction. Can you imagine the amount of demonic transaction that takes place when Solomon marries thousand women? Thousand. Thousand women. He's actually making it absolutely difficult for himself to come back to God again. Do you see, in the Bible, whenever a king repents, it says, in the last days he repented. Even Manasseh in the last days repented. The most wicked of all the kings, who did the most abominable things in Israel. But do you read in the Bible that Solomon repented? Do you? The secret things belong to God. It's a mystery. We don't know where Solomon is. Exodus chapter 32 verse 1. Another theory. Another funda. Now when the people saw that the Moses delayed coming down from the mountain. Think about it, no? If Pastor James delays his coming. It's exactly what is happening over here. Will we come to church? I'm not saying you should come to hear me. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about, okay? This is not changing of idols here. No, 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 no. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together Aaron and said to him, Come! You know, it's impatience with leadership. Come, make us gods that will go before us for as the, as this Moses, the man who brought us out, out of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Where is Mo- Moses, Baba? Where is Moses? Moses is the, at the mountain. You know, if you really want to worship God, it is always a climbing of a mountain. It is not in the plains. You really, really want to grow with the Lord. You have to climb spiritual mountains. You have to go against the tide. You have to fight your flesh which gravitates against the spirit. The mind of the flesh is Hostile to God, it says. It does not submit to the things of God. Indeed, it cannot. Therefore, he who lives according to the flesh cannot please God. And if you really, really, really want to enjoy intimate worship with God, there is one funda you need to really, really tackle in your life. You know what? I do not want to offer God which costs me nothing. Oh, that's what, that's what, that's what Aruna said. Aruna said, I want to, I want, David said, I want to, I want to offer God something. Aruna said, you can have it, king. Take it, take it free. What he said? Nothing. I will offer God which cost me nothing. I'm not going to never do that. To understand this funda, let's see Psalms 23 verses 3 to 4. Who can ascend into your holy hell? Who may Stand in his holy place. Look at this. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul toward an idol. There is an idol. Idol. You know what? You should have easy words. You should have more singing, less word. I mean, you should, it's, this is, I'm not, I'm not, this is, this is a, this is a trend in the latest Christian culture. More singing. Ten minutes word. When Ezra came back and started preaching, you know how many hours he preached? Six hours. 
morning till evening there's only pre- preaching and paul actually paul was even more fantastic he was he, he was he, that was his last stop he started in the day preached 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 everybody was he was preaching and preaching and preaching night 12 o'clock Eutychus was there at the third floor he fell asleep he fell down continued preaching resurrected from the dead and continued preaching you see it's an uphill battle. And you see, we squirm and squish in the, in the seats when the message gets a little longer and tougher and it requires from us more intense concentration. So what is your theory today? <laughs> Do you have a theory? Do you have a funda? Psalm 106 verses 19 to 20. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the metal image. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. It's interesting. I mentioned this several times. But you go to any stock market. You go to New York Stock Exchange. You know what you'll find right in front of the stock exchange? A huge bull like this. Bull. Ox that eats grass. That's their God. It's not Yahweh. So what is the essence? What should we do therefore? Another thing that you need to understand before I go to the solution as to how to, I mean, to identify idols more clearly and as to how do we smash them. Idols are just not merely idols. Theories are not mere theories. You get that? They're not just mere theories. They're not just mere fundas. Let me show you something. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, this is what he says. Paul is going to explain this. Observe Israel after the flesh. Okay? That is, observe those fellows. In other words, now observe meaning, dekho. Imagine Israel in the, in the, in the, in the, in the wilderness. Observe them carefully. They're doing idolatry. Okay? Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? Question. Meaning? Those who eat of the sacrifices partake of the altar. That's what it means. What am I saying then? That an idol is anything? Or what is offered to idols anything? In other words, somebody comes and gives you prasade to Tirupati Seaya Laddu. Eat it. Ah, I know. We used to have a debate when we were young, when we were in, uh, in teenage. Somebody offers Laddu, should we eat it? Ah, you should eat it. Yeah, it's just a sweet. Take it as a sweet and eat it. It's not going to affect us. But look at what he says. Rather than the things which Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to... Oh! Every theory has a demon. You know that? You know, David Wilkerson, when he was, when I was a young guy, he told me a very interesting thing. You see a girl... Okay, see, I mean, for me, okay, for a, for a girl's boy, okay. See a girl, she looks very beautiful. She's a very nice girl. But she doesn't believe. Okay? She doesn't believe, but she looks very beautiful, very nice girl. Uh, she's got ethics, so to speak. Everything is there, but she does not believe. And you say, you know what? I can marry her. David Wilkerson said a very interesting thing. He said, do you see that pretty face? Do you see that good attitude behind that pretty face? That demeanor which is so gentle and kind? And he said, 
Do you see a demon behind that? My pastor said, if you marry an unbeliever, I mean, I, I remember, Abigail, this is, she was four, five and a five years old, she came home and she said, Papa, why should I not marry an unbeliever? Five year old. Another kid in our, in our, in our school, uh, when you get, uh, when you grow old, you should marry a believer. Yes, yes, I will marry a girl. Very, very sure, very clear. Baba, very good, Baba. Get it in your mind. Marry a girl, okay? Get it in your mind. Because though after you grow up, things might change even in India. Why should I not marry an unbeliever? I was so disturbed. And I, I went and asked pastor. I said, pastor, what should I tell this girl at five years? Tell her, if you marry an unbeliever, you'll get an uncle, father-in-law. You know who that father-in-law is? Satan. Ask Abigail if Satan can be her father-in-law. She got the point. So you marry an unbeliever, there's a demon behind it. Behind every theory, there is a demon which is animating that theory. It is a lie from the pits of hell. You don't understand that. That is exactly what happened. Satan, that's what Paul says, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. I have espoused you to one man. That is Christ Jesus. It's like a, it's like a father. I, I, you just imagine Abigail, I've, I've protected her, I've, I've cared for her, I nurtured her, I, I taught her good manners, I taught her cooking, I taught her everything. I'm protecting her so that she will be espoused to one man. And you know what Paul says? I espoused you to that one man, but lest Satan, like the way she dece- he deceived Eve by her craftiness that you should turn away that's from that simple devotion to Christ. I am jealous over you. That is the love. You know why? Because behind every lie, there is a demon associated with it. The first lie, you can be like gods. You shall surely not die. Who's animating that? Honda. Demon himself. The devil himself. You cannot therefore partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Why? Or do we provoke to the Lord, the Lord to jealousy? I am a jealous God. I will have no other gods. I, my affections are going to be absolutely undivided. Are we stronger than him? Friendship with the world is enmity with God. That's what James will say. You adulteresses and adulteresses. Don't you know? Do we provoke the spirit to jealousy? So behind every theory, there is a demon associated with it. You need to understand. If you, uh, I remember, if you have, if you haven't, I know so many of you are uh, first timers in our in our church. In that, if you haven't read the transcript, sin, iniquity, and transgression, how many of you have not read it? Not read it. Let me see. Okay, okay. Just raise your hands up in the air. That's a fantastic number. Okay. By by the way, our church was catapulted into a different realm after that message. If you haven't read it, you know what he says? Sigmund Freud, he had a personal demon. Karl Marx had a personal demon. Every ruler has a personal demon whom he consults. 
Every theory has a demon behind it. It looks very good when you are when you, when you initially, but over a period of time, they will manifest. You know, devil is very patient. Oh, don't ever think that he's going to leave you just like he's very patient. For example, if you're addicted to pornography and you're fighting lust and you're fighting so, and, and, you're, and you're over a period of time, you're overcoming. You know what he does? Okay, this guy is overcoming, but you know what I'll do? I'll, 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 I'll not trap him immediately. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just drop one image over there. Subtly there, you know. He's possibly he'll go to a website and he's like biblegateway.com and then he'll see an ad with a bikini on that. Oh, and then it's okay. It's just a subtle there. If he doesn't close, ah, he didn't close. Okay. Patient. 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 He's, he'll put one there, one thought here, one idea there, one friend here, one slowly, just literally plays chess and Kills all your defenses and checkmates you at one instant and you're absolutely caught. Trapped. Be very careful, children. Okay. So there is a theory and every theory has a demon. Therefore, if we have to fight idolatry, you need to fight not only the idea, you need to also fight the demon behind the idea. Only then the manifestations of idolatry will stop. But we'll look at a few more idols in the New Testament. Okay, this is of course Exodus chapter 20. Galatians chapter 5 verses 90 to 20. What is idolatry in the New Testament? Specifically, what is it? Galatians chapter 5 verses 90 to 21. This is what it says. Now the works of the flesh are evident. What are they? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy. See, these are all we can see, you know, hatred, I can understand, contentions, I can understand, jealousies, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dimensions, uh, dissensions, sorry, heresies, idolatry, idolatry, is a work of the flesh, interesting. Philippians chapter 3 will try to emphasize this. Paul will mention several idols. Look at what he says. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. Worship God. What what did did, uh, Satan tell, tell Jesus? Do you see the glory here? All you can have the glory. You can have all this and the glory associated with it. Just bow down and worship me. And what does Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. So he says, worship God in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have what? No confidence in the flesh. Oh, so what is the idol? Confidence in the flesh. I can do it without God. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. Look at idols. The idols that Paul had to destroy. Look at the idols. Though I have also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh. I more so. You want to know my credentials in the flesh? Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel. In other words, family background, you know? Family background, you know? A lot of people, 
Kunsa family. What is your tribe? What is your family? What does your father do? Etc. I'm not saying that you should not look at all those things, but what is the primary thing that you look at? Do you look at the person? Is he a believer? That's exactly what James will say. When the rich man comes, you say, sit here. First the poor man comes in and he comes and sits in the front chair. And then the rich man comes. And you say, Arey, wake at this place, wake at this place. Sir, you sit here, sir. Why? IAS officer. Background. Circumcise the eighth day or the stock of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Ore. He's boasting. In other words, he's like, absolutely pure Jew. I remember one conversation in our in our college. Uh, what are you? I'm a pure Hindu. What are you, pure Hindu? What is Can you define pure Hindu? They don't have a definition, by the way, of what pure Hindu is. Okay. Pure Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee. Education. Do you know my education? Pharisee. I know the Bible inside out, in other words. You know my education. I don't know one of the biggest idols in India. Household idols. You know what is a household idol in India? Education. You know why? Because there is a funda behind that. You know what the funda is? In Telugu, there is very interesting saying. In Telugu, I don't know how many of you. I am going to translate that for you. But it loses its punch. But regardless. Koti Vidyalu. The GSS kids know it. Koti Vidyalu Koti Korake. Meaning, why am I gaining so many skills? Is to fill my belly. That's a remarkable funda. I, I, I remember when my parents used to go up. I mean, Vijay, Sarga Chadukokwade Adukandinta. In other words, if you don't study properly, you will become a beggar on the street. That was a scary thought. <laughs> Who wants to be a beggar on the street? I mean, the, the thing that comes to your mind, the caricature is, Amma, Valagalantale. I, I, mean, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want that. Oh no, by the way, they are not doing something extra biblical, by the way, when they said that. You know that. You know what Jesus said? Oh, he multiplies the bread and he feeds the 5,000 and they want to make him king. You are king. From this day, you are king. Jesus escapes. And they come in the boats, running after them. Rabbi, 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 where are you? Jesus looks at them and he says, you know what? You are coming after me not because you saw the sign. It's because you ate the food and you are full. And then he makes a very powerful statement. He says, do not labor for the food that perishes. But labor for the food that grants you eternal life. Then he says, Lord, what is that food? I am that food. I'll tell you something, children. My perspective on education has completely changed. I can give you a full theory behind it. Okay, Come to my GTLC, I'll give you the theory. I want to educate my children. I want to educate girls too. 
I'll tell you why I want to educate my girls. I want them to be educated because when they read the scriptures, they should understand that there's salvation in no other one except in Jesus Christ. You know why? That's exactly what, what Timothy's mother taught him. You know what Timothy's, you know what Paul tells about Timothy? He says, the faith that is in you, I saw it in your mother and in your grandmother. Right from your childhood, you learned the scriptures which is able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Who taught Timothy? The mother. So if I want my daughters to understand the Bible, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to educate them left, right and center. Because I want them to understand God. You know what? When Paul writes the book of Romans, he says, I am under obligation. To whom? To the Jews. Ah, okay, fine. They are, after all, the Torah. They have the Torah. To the Greeks. Ah, after all, they are all wise people. To the barbarians. Barbarians? What do you mean by that? Uneducated. What do you mean by that? You are expecting the book of Romans to be understood by uneducated people. Precisely. You know why we are educating you here? My dear brothers and sisters here? Little ones? So that one day when you read the scriptures, you will understand the intricacies of God. Not because you will get a fat salary. All those things the Gentiles will seek, not, not us. We get educated because we want to exalt God. John Piper calls it education for exaltation. God, exalt, God exaltation. I like that. Concerning the Pharisee, concerning the law, a Pharisee, me, I am educated. I am, I went to the best, you know what, I am the, I was the best student of Gamaliel. You know something? Paul, my goodness, the brilliance of this apostle. I was telling Pastor James the other day, I said, Pastor, if Paul was in the 21st century and he was not converted, he would have given Albert Einstein and run for his money. What is this logic? What is this understanding? What is this rendering? How come? You need to read the book of Romans. You will see this man is very smart man. And on top of that, he's inspired. <laughs> Deadly combination. They were not able to gainsay his theories. Plainly, he's able to confront the people from their own scriptures. As it is said in by one of your prophets. He knows one of your, one of your poets. He knows the culture. He knows the, the literature. He knows everything. But he used it all to glorify God. Not himself. You know what he says? But I'm not boasting in that. And he tells the, he tells the Corinthians, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence of speech, but I came to you in weakness, in trembling, so that, because I wanted only to see Christ crucified among you, so that your faith will not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Another idol, education. It's a household idol in India. Every day we get up and say, IIT. Sri Venkata, IIT, Samasuprabhatam. That is Suprabhatam every day. IIT, IIT, IIT. Medicine, 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 IS, IS, IS. Why? God is your belly. 
concerning zeal. <laughs> Persecuting the church. The idol of zeal. Or you see zealous Christians, don't you? How do you know they're zealous, Baba? How do you know they're Christians? Look at the zeal. But absolutely no wisdom. Pastor James keeps telling me, he says, Vijay, zeal without wisdom? You are one pataka only. Gone. Why, why is this important? Look at what it says in, uh, concerning zeal, concerning the righteousness of which is in the Lord blameless. Look at this, Romans chapter 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for, for Israel is that they should be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Knowledge nahi hai. So many Christians, they cannot, cannot witness because they have, they're ignorant. They'll think that activity will bring people to Christ. Running around, doing this program and that program and this program and that program, but absolutely ignorant when it comes to the scriptures. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, seeking to another, another idol. You know what the other idol is? My righteousness. Another idol. I'll show you that. Ezekiel chapter 33. When I say to the righteous that he shall surely live. But he, look at that. He trusts his own righteousness and commits iniquity. Think about that. If somebody comes and asks you, ask me, Vijay, why do you think that you are a Christian? Do you see how many sermons I preached on Grace Tabernacle website? Make a count. I'm next in number after Pastor James. You see? Ah. So you're trusting in the number of sermons you preached? I'm just giving an example. If I were to come and ask Jodi, for example, let's say, Jodi, why do you think that you're a Christian? Oh, you see how many time, how much time I work for GSS? All the other children are lazy. I am the most hardworking. Oh, isn't it? That's interesting. Why are you a Christian? Do you see? I come first to the church and clean up everything. I'm the last to go. Philo. What is Philo? First in, last out. That's what Sam can say. I'm the first to come, last to go. Every day. I mean, every every day the church is open. Pastor's conference, Philo. Who's that? Sam. Sunday service, Philo, Sam. Wednesday service, Philo, Sam. I mean, it's a it's a data structure, no? Stack. First in, last out. Then he says, you know, that is the reason why I'm a Christian. Ah, really? Why are you Christian? Are I read the Bible, memorized scripture, left, right, and center. I know more memory in scripture than Pastor James. <laughs> Re Baba, got you, got you. <laughs> really? You know what he says? I'll, in Ezekiel goes, I'll put a stumbling block for that fellow. <laughs> because he's trusting now in his own righteousness. Idolatry of righteousness. Can you imagine righteousness can, can become idolatry? So subtle. Pride. Boasting. You know what he says? 
If that fellow commits iniquity, all his righteousness, I will not remember. Oh my goodness. In other words, if you, you'll go to, you'll go that day to God and say, Lord, Lord, have you not prophesied in your name? Have you not driven out demons in your name? Have you not written scripture in your name? Solomon will say, preacher, Ecclesiastes, I introduce myself as the preacher. All the other preachers learn from me. You know what he'll say? I do not know you, you workers of lawlessness. I thought I was working righteousness. I believe this is one of the things that God is going to really, really break every believer. That's the reason why, you know what Paul will say? There was a messenger of Satan, a thorn in my flesh. You know why? Because I thought so many revelations given to me, I should be the best of the apostles. That's what he said. I mean, he didn't have any false modesty, okay? He said, I work more harder than they, Baba. You have a doubt, you count the number of books I wrote. Peter, how many episodes? Two. And one dictation. What is the dictation? Mark's gospel. John, Kashtapadi, one gospel. Three epistles, oh, revelation, last. Me, Romans. Do Do you understand Romans? Do you understand Galatians? Do you understand Hebrews? Ephesians? I'm the best. He could have thought that way. If God said, you know what? I don't want that, please. After having, what do you call being persecuted for this truth. A man is justified by faith alone, apart from the works of the law. Paul, I don't want you to stumble there. When you start begin to trust in your own works of righteousness and say, I deserve God. Lest you do that, I will not remember it anymore. You might have preached, yes. I don't know you, you workers of lawlessness. Hmm. So we need to crush these idols. You see, so the question therefore, therefore is, how many of us are guilty of idolatry? Let's raise our hands honestly now. Oh, there you go. Okay. Some people didn't understand. Who didn't raise their hands? I got that. Okay. So I'll try to communicate better the next time. I remember the other day in our Grace Tabernacle Learning Center, no? I told the children, follow good examples. Don't be a bad example. And I looked at everybody and I said, including all the children, about 20 children there, almost, almost, 16, 18 children. I looked at from 6, 11 years old until 5, 6 years old. Okay, I asked them, how many of you were a bad example? Raise your hand. They're all looking at each other and you know once one little boy called Phineas. I love that kid, okay? And they looked at Phineas and they all rose their hands up like that. I like that about children. They're honest. You know, the only way to tackle idolatry is honesty. So let's try to see how we can smash these idols. The only way we can smash these idols. 
By the way, there's one guy who was really becoming obnoxious after a period of time. Look at what it says. Elihu in Job, Job chapter 32. The three friends, Shuhite, in other words, Namathite, and whatever, Ait. They were not able to argue with Job. Young fellow, Elihu. This fellow argues. Look at what he says. So these three men ceased answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Then the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barakhel, the Buzite, of the family of Ram, he's not our Ram, okay? Another Ram, was aroused against Job. His wrath was aroused because he justified what? Himself rather than God. That's exactly what the Pharisees did. Lord! <laughs> I'm not like this fellow. You know what it says? This fellow justified himself. That fellow went home justified. That's exactly what happened here. And then God reveals himself to Job. And what does he do? No That's exactly what happens. So let's try to see how we can crush our idols. Whatever those idols are. Whatever those theories are. And I try to explain a few theories that we have. Fundas. Second Corinthians chapter 10. The only way. For though we walk in the flesh, because idolatry is the work of the, what? Of the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not, what? You need to understand, it's a war. First thing. Christianity is kotlata. It is not physical kotlata. Literally, it's a war. It is a battle. If you are not battling some sin in your life, Baba, you are not a Christian. Let me tell you something. Or rather you are already compromised. If you have no battles in your life, you have compromised in that direction. That you're, you're, if you are not battling it. Our weapons of our warfare, our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down those strongholds, those high places. Casting down imaginations ex- and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What so what are the what is the only way that you can you can you can break or crush these idols the only way in Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 29 look at what it says is not my word like fire says the Lord and like a hammer DL Moody's famous statement somebody came and told DL Moody Baba your your message was very good but so many grammar mistakes and you know what D.L. Moody said? Grammar or no grammar, I'm going to hammer the word of God. I'm not very articulate, but I'm not from Iflu. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to hammer the word of God. That's the only way you can crush where the word of God becomes so heavy in your mind, though even the thought when it comes... Immediately it's crushed. Sola scripture. Okay, we come back to the reformation by the way. The only way to fight idolatry is to smash the demonic theories which sanction the idolatry. Replace the lies in our heart by the truth of the word of God. Allow the word of God to transform and shape our Thinking. Let me tell you something. No, this is a very common problem amongst many believers. Pastor, I want to know the will of God. What do I want to know? 
will of God. First will of God, whether to marry this person or not that person. First. Whether to take this career or not to take that career. Whether to go to America or not to go to America. Whether to go to Pakistan or not to go to Pakistan. This, I want to know the will of God. So when I am coming to church, you should precisely tell me what I must do. You know what the answer to, of the Bible to such a situation is? This is what uh, Timothy Keller in one of his sermons, he makes this powerful statement. He says, if you want to make a choice, okay, listen to this carefully. If you want to make a choice according to the will of God, you should become like the person God wants you to become so that you can discern what the will of God is. Ah, let me, re- let me re- repeat that again. If you want to know the will of God, you have to become the person God wants you to become so that you can discern what the will of God is. For example, if, if, if you come and ask, ask me, God called me into full-time ministry. Did God call me into full-time ministry? I wouldn't know. I mean, I, 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 I really, I mean, uh, some, some people ask me, uh, how did you come into full-time ministry? Did you get a voice from God saying, uh, thus says the Lord Vijay, leave your job? No. You know what? What happened? I'll tell you something. I sat in the church for eight years. Under the preaching of the word of God, my mind was transformed by the word of God. I became a person, the person God wants me to become. And then he come and spoke to me and he said, you know what Vijay? I think this is the will of God for your life. But what people want? Are it will take a lot of time. I want to make a decision quick. First, this person, like pastor will say, first of all, you should ask this question whether you should marry or not. Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah, you should not marry. And Jeremiah was okay with that. Do you know why? Because Jeremiah already became a person God wants him to become. And he understood the weight of the message that he was carrying. Did God tell Paul that you should not marry? Did he write? To the Romans or to the Ephesians, to the Corinthians. Oh, I, I say that everybody should be like me. He didn't say, God told me you should not marry. No, 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 no. He understood. He understood his call. He understood that wherever he goes, it's going to be persecution. It's going to be trial. He didn't want his partner to go through it. I don't know if the partner that I'm going to have is going to be, is, does, she, does she have the spiritual tenacity to sustain the weight of my ministry? Does she have? Big, big, big issues in ministry is going to be that point wherein you have to break the time with your family. And if the family doesn't understand the weight of your calling, it's going to crush. You know, as I was listening to Chuck Swindle in the morning, he told, you know, he said, you want to come to the pulpit there's already a clock in my mind. It's a clock like this. I preach the Sunday message. And I, after I finish the Sunday message, I come out of the pulpit, I'm already thinking of the next Sunday. 
and I'm actually doing a countdown. And that's exactly what happens with me also. I mean, he was like, oh my goodness, he's just speaking like me. Let's say Thursday morning, 72 hours before I enter into the pulpit. Friday morning, 48 hours before I enter into the pulpit. Saturday morning, 24 hours before I enter into the pulpit. There is a time clock and he tells his wife, you know what, honey? This particular passage that I'm reading, it's not very familiar. It'll take me at least 20 hours to prepare. Or it, if it's tough, it might take even more. 40 hours to prepare. 45 hours to prepare. Blessed is the man who finds a wife who supports him, understands the weight of the calling. You see, therefore, if you really want to discern the will of God for your life, you have to become the person God wants you to be. Otherwise, whether this one I should do or I should not do, forever, or if this person told me, and you know what, ultimately what will happen, pastor said, I should marry this person. Pastor can say 150 things, but it is up to you. You will be called to account, not the pastor, not your elder. Hmm. That is the reason why Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, Hare <laughs> Baba, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay? Transform and then you will know what is it? The good good will of God, the acceptable will of God, the perfect will of God. In other words, some will of God can be good, need not be perfect. Okay? Got it? Some will of God may be acceptable, need not be perfect. You want to know the perfect will of God, it will take a lot of time under the word of God, the word of God to sanction you and crush all those demonic theories before you make a choice which is according to the word of God. Transformation is not one day. You know metamorphosis, no? Slow process. Tadpole to to frog. Lot of process. Hmm. Luke 19.8 Crush the idols. So once you do that, what he'll do? Zacchaeus stood and said, Lord, half my goods I give to the poor. Because you know why God? I know. I understand. Mera funda ye hai. Covetousness. I want more, 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 more. You know what I'll do? I'll give it off. Crush that idol. And if anybody have taken anything, I'll restore. How many times? Four times. How much will be my bank balance after that? Zero. Are you okay with that? Absolutely, Baba. Crush. I don't know how many people he took from. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come into your house. Second thing, embrace the cross. See, with the large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. So Paul never did dictation. Okay, He wrote with his own hand. Francis Bacon. Speaking makes a ready man. Reading makes a broad man. Writing makes an exact man. I like because my dad used to tell me all this when I was a kid. He said, Vijay, apparel, proclaim at the man. Who said that? Francis Bacon. And then, reading makes a ready man. I'm sorry, uh, speaking makes a ready man. 
Reading makes a broad man, but writing makes the exact man. So that is the reason why you take down notes. You write down. All the garbage thinking will go because you're concentrating, you're articulating your thoughts through your pen and there is a feedback which is going on. And you're correcting it even as you read it. Okay. It is those who want to make a good showing in their flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the, for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. But the desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. You know what he says? But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, Peace upon them. Ah, You want peace in your life? See, you have peace with God. There is only one peace. One kind of peace. Peace with God means, Jesus, forgive me for all your sins. Okay, forgiven. That is peace with God. Peace of God? That's a different ball game altogether. Join the midst of tribulation. Different ball game altogether. Only way is to pick up your cross, deny yourself, Daily, what does that mean? What does that mean? Philippians chapter 3. Okay, this is um, this is Romans chapter 5. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. Look at this. Look at this, everybody, okay? We also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations works what? Perseverance. Perseverance that is proven character. Ah, oh, I love that. You know what you should become? That's what you, do you want to know what the perfect will of God is? You have to have proven character. And then character builds hope. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given. What does it mean? You know what God will do? In order to make you authentic, He will break you through circumstances. He will break you through leadership. He will break you through authority. He will break you through marriage. Oh boy. He will break you. Oh, it's painful actually many times. Break you. But unless you are broken like Pastor said, unless you are broken, you can never be a blessing to others. That is the reason why when Mary brought the alabaster box of ointment, what did she do first? She broke it. And when she broke it, aroma, fragrance. And that is exactly what Paul will say. If you are broken this way, broken through circumstance, broken through trial, broken through difficulty, broken through want and need and financial crisis and financial, you are going through it because you have chose to follow God. You are going through it. You know what will happen? breaks you. And you know what happened? He says, you'll become the aroma of life to those who are being saved and an aroma of deaths to those who are perishing and who is sufficient for these things. That is the only, that's the only, that is the reason why children, my dear children, the reason why you ask you to submit to authority so that you can be broken. Sometimes through misunderstandings. 
misunderstandings. He will allow. Will you allow yourself to be broken? And say, Lord, walk through me. Because I am interested in crushing the idols in my heart. That's the only way. Embracing the cross. And Josiah did it. He did a thorough job. Left, right, center. Crushed. Crushed every theory. Crushed every idea. Sat under preaching. Sat under teaching. You need to do that. Over a period. Memorize scripture. Meditate upon the word of God. Over and over and over again. So that the word of God will transform your mind. And you will start thinking like the way Christ thinks. Now think about it. If you think like Christ thinks. Will you always do the will of God? Absolutely. Because you are thinking the way God thinks. Every theory. Every idea. Will be crushed. That is how reformation started in Joseph's time. And that is how it will start in our own lives. And this is a daily process. Die daily. Pick up your cross daily. Let's pray. We'll continue in the course of our week, coming days. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. I pray, Lord. Should grant us grace to identify the theories behind every idol that we enjoy. We cling to. And you told Jonah, Lord, you said, those who cling to worthless idols forsake their own mercy and their own grace. So many of us have to identify them. Clinging to some things. God is asking to forsake. Oh Lord. I remember, I remind, I'm just being reminded of this famous illustration Pastor gave once. He's talking about this monkey who gets captured. How does it get captured? There's a banana in a cage and the monkey puts the hand through the banana and it gets captured. The only way it could free itself is by just releasing the banana but it clings to the banana. And so many of us clinging to worthless bananas in our lives. Let go of those relationships. Let God. Let go of those thoughts. Let God. Father, grant us grace, O Lord, not to cling to worthless idols and forsake our own mercy. Help little children over here to keep themselves from idols. Idols of peer pressure. What their children, what their friends will think about them. Idols of trying to be the best in the class. But not trying to be the best that God wants them to be. Oh Lord, enable them to draw lines. And let them enjoy the lines that have been drawn for them by their elders. Father, we thank you. Come into each one of us into our hands and even as we go back home, I pray, Lord, your word will burn in our hearts and smash every idol even as we continue to meditate on these things. Let it not depart from our hearts and our lives. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.